from the first whistle blow till the game is on the line. Welcome to Stoppage Time. I'm Greg. And I'm Tyler. And guys, this is our new platform to talk to you specifically on Champions League news and reviews. I have been an avid soccer, I'm going to call it football because I'm from the Caribbean. That's what we call it. That's what we call it (laughs) in the rest of the world. It's only in the United States they call it soccer, but I've been an avid football fan for a long time, sports fan in general. And Tyler and I have been talking about doing a sports podcast for a long time, not knowing what to talk about. A little fire was lit or rekindled with Tyler when we started watching some games earlier this year. Uh, Tyler brought it to my attention that he wants to talk a little bit about the Champions League specifically, as it is, for those who don't know, the premier European Cup that European teams vie for. And Tyler, thanks for, for inviting me to this podcast to do this with you. I love doing podcasts with you. Guys that are from the For Real podcast that switched over to this and having the two forms of content, welcome for coming in. Those that are brand new, thank you for coming through. Tyler, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. This past, I've always loved soccer. I played, uh, sorry, I'm going to call it what us lowly Americans call it. You know, we, we, have to, we have to be our own thing, us Americans, so it'll be soccer. Um, <laughs> so uh, I played soccer all the way through uh, high school. Always enjoyed watching the World Cup, always enjoyed uh, watching. But, it, you know, especially this year with, with how things have been going, it's been giving me something else to kind of hold on to and enjoy and really dive into. And it's, oh, it's just exciting. It is so exciting. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, if it seems like the Champions League just finished, it's because it did a couple months ago. Uh <laughs> The final was uh, the final stages were of course pushed because of because uh, of COVID. Bayern Munich was victorious against Paris Saint Germain or PSG as as they are known in the final. Both teams are back. We'll get into their performances. Uh, one thing before we dive in for those of you who are paying attention to soccer news outside of Champions League, which once Champions League is over, we will start going back and covering all sorts of, of world football. Pay attention to what is happening at Arsenal right now with Mesut Ozil uh, having a contract dispute, uh, among other things. We could do a whole podcast on what is happening there, but we have to dive in to Champions League, which kicked off this past Tuesday. And I mean, there, there were some exciting games and some surprising games. Should, should, should we kick this thing off? So we're going we're gonna to kick this thing off, but I want to set some ground rules real quick because I don't want to leave any of the listeners out, right? So guys, for those who don't know about Champions League, don't know anything about football at all, not soccer, football, right? There are eight groups in the Champions League group stage, right? That are alphabetically in order. And there's a lottery for, those, for the teams to be uh, matched into those groups from various leagues across Europe, after which the group stages are played and the points are shared up between wins, draws, and losses. That's three points, one point, and zero points. The top two teams go from the group stage into what we call the round of 16. Round of 16 is basically a two-game playoff between each of the teams within that bracket until they get to the finals. 
So a little bit of football information for you at this point. Um, fun fact for those who don't know, Real Madrid is currently the team with the most amount of Champions League wins to date, with I think 17. I'm not sure. I don't follow Real Madrid. For those who, who want to know some, when it comes to football, Barcelona is my team. If you're a Real Madrid fan and you hate me, that's good. I want it. I want to feed on it. Anyway, Tyler, bring us into the group stages. <laughs> your, your hate fuels his, uh, the fire within. Yes. So, day one, starting off actually with what I would guess was a little scene game, but actually ended up being one of my favorites between Zenit and Club Brugge, with Club Brugge coming out on top 2-1. Next game up on day one, Juventus versus uh, Dynamo Kiev. Juventus took that pretty handily 2 to nothing. First tie of Champions League came between uh, Stada Reign and Krasnodar, 1-1, followed by another tie between Chelsea and Sevilla, 0-0, with both teams not really seeming interested in playing. Lazio returned to form and beat a, uh, at least to me, surprisingly beat Borussia Dortmund 3-1. Greg's Barcelona wins 5-1 to one over Ferran Varos. The surprise of the day, Man United defeating PSG 2-1, to one, and Leipzig wins 2 to nothing over Istanbul Basakşehir. So, uh, as you guys know, well, as you guys are seeing here, a lot of really crazy results coming in on the first day of games. Um, I think that my favorite, well, one thing that I saw from, from this and watching the replays, because I couldn't watch all the games, guys. This, this is a lot of games. Um, and thank you to CBS for putting this on for those viewers in America. And before Greg continues, just so you know, the games are broken up rather unfairly. There are two early games followed by six late games. So we, we do have to resort to watching uh, highlights. They do do a good job of covering a lot of the key moments. It's about eight to 10 minutes of highlights per game for us to catch up on and absorb. And, you know, I, it is enough to determine and be able to talk about these games, just so you know mm-hmm. why sometimes we might say we only watched highlights. It's yeah. because games are, it's not four and four. It's not, you know, one game every hour. It's two early games and six late games all kicking off at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it how is... the group stages go. That's how the group stages go. And we, we have uh, five other games to watch in that same type of order until we get to the group stage, until we get to the round of 16. But exciting first day, obviously, for my Barcelona uh, players. But we'll get more into like some of the, the highlights from some of the key moments from the, the key games in days one and day two. Day two, Tyler, tell me what happened in day two. What happened in day two? So day two, we opened up uh, with a tie between Salzburg and Lokomotiv Moscow 2-2. The upset, I would say, of the tournament, and we will get into this uh, a little bit later, Shakhtar Donetsk defeats Real Madrid 3-2-2. I'll just let that hang there for a second. (laughs) Moving on, Bayern Munich, your defending champs, crush a Atletico Madrid team 4-0 that I thought uh, was going to perform a little bit better. Uh, Inter Milan and Borussia Mönchengladbach tie 2-2. Olympiacos defeats Marseille 1-0. Uh, 
Man City defeats FC Porto 3-1. Liverpool defeats Ajax 1-0. And Atalanta defeats Midtjylland 4-0. They two seem to be like the, the, the better round, the better set of games if you, if you had an opportunity to watch. Uh, go back and, and watch some of these. But like you said, the, the real shocker was the Real Madrid loss uh, to Shakhtar. And, and that, that is something. Another one that I would say was not super surprising, but seeing Atalanta perform at such a high level at this stage, uh, Gomez really doing a great job through those games. Happy for the youngster. Um, but Tyler, what does that mean for the standings? How, do we, how, how are the groups looking? From A to H. So, as Greg said, for the group stages, they are based on points. If you win, you get three points. If you lose, you get nothing. And if you draw, you get one point. So, Group A, we have uh, Bayern Munich, Lokomotiv Moscow, FC Salzburg, and Atletico Madrid, with Bayern winning that group thanks to the uh, Lokomotiv Moscow and Salzburg tie, with Atletico Madrid having zero points. Group B, led by Shakhtar Donetsk, followed by uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Inter Milan, both with one, and Real Madrid with zero. Group C, straightforward, we have Man City and Olympiacos with three, Marseille and Porto with zero. Group D, we have Atalanta and Liverpool with three, Ajax and Midland with zero. Group E, all tied with one, but for those of you... So if you want to know the group, it's Krasnodar, Reign, Sevilla, and Chelsea. Group F, we have Lazio and Club Brugge leading with three points apiece, with Zenit and Dortmund with zero. Group G, we have Barcelona and Juventus with three, Ferenc Veros and Dynamo Kiev with zero. And Group H, which many believe is the group of death, which we can also get into what that actually is after I run through the standings. Uh, group H is Leipzig, Man United leading with three, with PSG and Istanbul, Basakshir with zero. Greg, what's the group of death? Group of death basically is, so when, when this lottery is played out, it, it is sometimes holds a, the majority of the top contenders for the title within that group. So for some of these other groups, there are clear dominators. Uh, for example, Group G, you have Barcelona and Juventus clearly as your as your top uh, your top two, and will you could predict as to who's actually going to go through to the next round. In Group H, there's no clear qualifiers. We see PSG was in the finals yesterday, uh, not yesterday, was in the finals earlier this year, and are now in Group H with starting off the the group with zero points. I'm not worried, however, as I was explaining to Tyler before, they have six games in total in which they have to play within the group stage. You have to become, you have to get either first or second in order to advance into the round of 16. The first game, as even though every game in the Champions League is important, in the group stages, the first two games are, I, I don't want to say throwaway games, but the more dominant teams have an opportunity to just kind of lay back and, and let those first two games play out. The last four games that they play within that group stage are the most important games if they want to advance into the round of 16, which all the teams on this list from Group A down to Group H want to be within that final 
want to be within the group, six, the round of 16, within that final selection of, of teams. So this, this is a really tough group. This is a really tough group that, that we're seeing right now. And as Greg said, there are six games that are played. It's so every team has a home game and every team has an away game. I do agree with you that, you know, these first couple games, it's not the end of the world, but if you're PSG, I think you were looking more for a tie in that game rather than, so you at least get both teams would be left with a point rather than just coming out with nothing. So I think that's why it, it's tough for PSG now at this point, because they're already in the hole pretty, pretty deep, pretty, pretty deep. So I, I would actually, I would actually debate before we head on to that point. I'll actually debate that the true, the the sneaky um, group of death is actually Group B. Okay, uh, Group B being if you can't remember all the groups, it is a lot of names. So I do apologize. I'll try to do my best to refresh you as we go whenever we bring up stuff. So Group B is Shakhtar, Mönchengladbach, Inter Milan, and Real Madrid. All, all those teams have proven to be dynamic teams, especially Real Madrid being the, the kings of the Champions League, if you want to say it like that. Uh, Mönchengladbach has shown uh, real prominence and has real players over on that team. Shakhtar, we're missing 10 players this week. They're missing 10 of their starters this week. Yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Inter Milan's got uh, uh, an amazing cast of, of players over on that side as well. That looks like a tough group to me. Like if, if I was to if I was to retract my my thoughts of of which was the deadliest group, that seems to me being the deadliest group. Yeah, and and we'll see. As Greg says, there are lots of games that we have to get through. This will start getting tighter and tighter, and you will start to see the desperation come for some of these teams. My my sneaky group of death, I would actually say, is Group F which is Lazio, Club Brugge, Zenit, and Dortmund. Mm. Um, I, I know Greg is not a fan of Dortmund. We've, we've had a little back and forth about it, but I'm waiting for them to wake up because they, they, they are a very talented team. It's, it's not that I'm not a fan. It's, I, would, I would not say I'm not a fan. I'm just I'm unimpressed with, um, with them for the past couple of years. Um, when, when they had uh, the American youngster Pulisic, they they showed they showed some promise. Not saying that he was the cause of that, but uh, Marco Royce is is one of my favorite players, not of all time, but within the past decade. And um, it just doesn't seem like he has a supporting cast. A lot of people might uh, argue with me on that, but I, I haven't seen them show a lot of promise since they were last in the Champions League uh, finals, which has been some time ago. I don't have the numbers on me right. I don't have the, the <laughs> stats on me right now. Or else I would show all these stats with you. But I was there, guys, not 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 watching it live, but I was there when they played that game. Um, and they looked really good up against uh, Bayern Munich in that finals game. Anyway, so we got to, we got through our our review, our kickoff of the Champions League round one group stages. For a halftime, we got a bunch of news that's been hitting at, on all levels that we're going to discuss. We're going we're gonna to go into these games in a little bit more detail and try to share that with you guys. What was exciting? What was the, some, some calls that I was, I was completely and utterly up in arms about? 
I know that Tyler has some some thoughts on some of these as well. Tyler, I know that you have this on the list like this, but I really want to talk about this Real loss to Shakhtar's B team as you as you place it. <laughs> well, it, you know, it is. As Greg said, Shakhtar had 10 of their 11 starters out because of COVID. Yeah. They were playing with one starter, and at halftime against Real Madrid, we're up 3 nothing. To be fair, Real did start to show up in the second half. They woke up a they little did. bit. Uh, Luka did. Modric had an insane shot for goal from long distance. Mm-hmm. I, I, the, it, it was one of those shots where the keeper doesn't even react because he's even amazed that, that he took the shot. <laughs> Um, it was it was at least it was at least thirty three uh, thirty two thirty three yards out. It was it was quite the shot. There was actually a half a half field shot that I saw, but we'll, we'll get to that too. That that was in the um, that was an exciting moment. I'm surprised we didn't put it down. Anyway, <laughs> um, but no, it, it's exactly what you said. I haven't seen I haven't seen Real Madrid this sleepy since before they went back to get uh, Zizou, who for those who don't know. I don't know how you don't know. He's one of these. If there if there was a football hall of fame, he's in it. Uh, Zinedine Zidane, uh, the one of the only people who has won um, a Champions League with the club as a player and with the club as a coach. Dominating uh, performance from him as a player. Uh, the Frenchman is is the one of the icons of football. And um, if you don't know who he is. He has the headbutt heard around or felt around the world <laughs> from, from the World Cup. Just just well, go look up you... Zidane headbutt. <laughs> what year was that? Oh gosh. Yeah, I put you on the spot. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, uh, 2006, right? So that was yeah, a 2006 2000. World Cup. Uh, Zidane had uh, which, which Italy won uh, that final. Anyway. Uh, I have not seen I have not seen them this sleepy since the the old manager got fired and Zizou got re um, applied to the team. The first half was lifeless. Varane has not been playing as his best. I don't know if he needs more sleep. I don't know if he needs to change <laughs> his diet. Uh, but he's too young to be playing this tired. Um, I also noticed that there was no uh, Sergio Ramos on on the team. They need their number four. He's the captain, um, and it showed. It showed. But I, I have to say, I have to say this: in the second half, when number twenty, I, I need you. To, I need you to go check and see who number twenty is, Tyler, for Real Madrid. When he stepped on the field, I was so impressed. I was so impressed. Vinny right? Junior. Vinny Junior. Vinicius Junior. Stepped onto the field, and the game changed. Now, Literally in seconds. Yes. Now, now I am not, again, I am no fan of Real Madrid, but I could appreciate great football skill and I could appreciate great football energy. And if it's one thing that I know after seeing all, as many classicals as far back as 2003, all the way up, Real Madrid have a, an attacking energy. I did not see any fast buildup until the second half when uh, when Vinny Jr. stepped onto the field, they started to play with the fire that, I, that I'm accustomed to seeing. But the whole first half was sleepy. Ty, I don't know if they underestimated Shakhtar because they knew that, the, that their B team 
was playing that day. But it just goes to show, guys, you cannot underestimate your opponent, no matter how depreciated their force might be. You know, we, we, we mentioned that it, it, within these six games, there's a home game and there's an away game. This was Madrid's home game. Shakhtar yeah. essentially went into uh, Real Madrid's home court and stuffed them. The score may be three to two, and we'll we'll kind of get to, you know, this this very easily could have been a tie by the end. The the class and the uh, uh, what's the right word? But basically, the the real Real Madrid kind of showed up in the second half. They were just down by a lot, uh, which which didn't help. They didn't help themselves in the first half. Uh, it, it the, the, this could be a, a changer for the game changer for the group. And it could no. wake up the other teams within that group and say, "Hey, you know, it, it doesn't matter where the where where they're where anybody's playing. Yeah. We, we 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 went into Real Madrid regardless of A team or B team. The fact that Shakhtar won is an upset. It doesn't matter who did it. We we were talking about how you know PSG and Real Madrid, uh, not Real uh, Man United, that might not you know throw off that group that much. This could throw off Group B." Yeah, and, and could throw them off in a big way. Uh, but just, you know, I, I just wanted to, again, to point out there were, there were some key players that were missing um, in the lineups. There was no Hazard. Um, there was no Sergio Ramos. And then, but the injection of youth um, into the game. Um, Rodrigo was having a good game, but, but I think that the, the real letdown for me or the big folly that I saw was uh, Rafael Varane just not not performing at the level in which we expect him to play? And he is, I don't know, is, is he tired? I, I, I need to dive into that a little bit more and let you guys know. Some of you guys might know more and be able to comment on this video, this podcast, and let me know for the listeners and the viewers. Let me, let me know what your thoughts, like what, what, what has been your experience watching Varane play? And if you have not seen him play, Go watch it. He's he's still young. He still has uh, a lot of potential with that kid, but uh, just was not playing really well um, this week. Speaking of uh, this being, this could be a 3-3, officiating for the first two days of the Champions League, I'm confused. The referee from the Real Madrid loss actually got fired the day after because of some strange calls. Was it the Real Madrid or was it the Man United PSG? Game? Sorry, from the, I, I'm I'm getting them mixed up. It was from the Man United PSG game. We'll we'll, we'll get into to that and and also um, some calls from the Barca game. In the Real Madrid loss, it could have been a draw. Tyler disagrees with me on this one. <laughs> I don't believe that the call in the final five minutes of of the game was was warranted an offside call. Tyler, you telling me that that on the review you saw a ball get tipped? It it looked to me ever so slightly that the trajectory of the ball was changed. So for for those of you who didn't watch and just maybe checking this out, there was a a, a long shot from outside the box that a player. Uh, it's draw. I'm drawing a blank on who it actually was. Who who was standing in front of goal? It was Vinny. It, it was Vinny. Okay, so so yeah. Vinicius Jr. was standing in front of the goal on a long shot, and essentially to some, <coughs> Greg. Um, <laughs> well, actually, Greg thinks nothing was wrong with it. The ball went into the goal and ended up being disallowed 
because the ref believed that Vinny was blocking uh, tr- uh, Truben's view of the ball being shot and therefore hindering his ability to stop the shot. Well, Greg, as, as he said, disagrees with me. I saw it get tipped a little bit. And I, and I sat there and I watched it and I watched it and I watched it. Go watch and, it some more. Go watch it some more. Vinny moves his foot and it looks from the side angle as though the ball got tipped. But if you look at, if you really look at the goalkeeper head, put his hand on the ball. If you, if you look at, uh, at Trubin, if you look at Trubin, put his hand on the ball, it, he collected it, it, it fell right through his legs, which was in line with the trajectory of the ball. If Vinny had a touch on that ball ever so slight, it would have gone either side of his foot. And it would have gone on the outside. As a matter of fact, based on, on the review that, on the video that I just saw, it would have curved on the outside of his foot and Trubin would have had to go in that direction to grab the ball. He did not. It came directly through him, right through the legs, into the back of the net. I don't see, I don't see the, the issue with that. Because well, if, if he touched it, I would have said, okay, that, that could have been an, an offside call. However, that it, didn't, it didn't look, it looked like even with the review, they still couldn't get that one right. Either way, well, while we disagree on this, I think what we can agree on is Real shouldn't have been in this position in the first place. Correct. And regardless of whether this could have ended up 3-3, this is a loss both in the group standings and just in general for Real Madrid. Correct. But plain uh, and simple. And, and it's, it's a long road ahead for them. And we'll, see, we'll, see what they do. we'll see what they do in the, in the next game in next week which would be their game is... They're playing Borussia Mönchengladbach. Right, away from home. So uh, hopefully, you know, Zizou kind of pulls them together and has a little bit of a, of, a, of a conversation with these guys and has them a little bit more lively going into the second part, the second half of, well, the second game um, in their run. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Speaking of uh, questionable calls, we'll we'll jump into the the one for me that that I'm still having a a little bit of a hard time with. It's uh, Man U versus uh, PSG. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Man U jumped out one nothing uh, thanks to a penalty uh, penalty shot taken twice by Bruno Fernand, uh, Fernandez. What brought it on was uh, Anthony Martial got taken down with got taken down in the box. To me, it looked a lot like acting. It didn't look like it was worthy of uh, a call, especially while I don't think that these should have also been called. It was nothing worse than what happened to Mbappe a couple times in this game. Mm-hmm. He got taken down. I don't think it was a foul, so it was a good non-call, but it was nothing different than what happened here, uh, which mm-hmm. led to a penalty kick, which was actually stopped by PSG's keeper, uh, Navas, in an amazing stop, actually. Yeah. Greg, tell me what the problem with the stop was. Well, that one I'm not sure on. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you talk more about this one because um, I I did see the highlights, but I wasn't I wasn't clear as to as to why they had to do the re kick. Uh, he came off his line. Gotcha. Which which is what I thought. Which is what I thought. But so I've, for those of you that don't, I've seen this. I've seen this in. Um, Actually, Champions League Finals 2005, where Liverpool won, there was 
I think that that's where this is, well, not that that's where this is stemming off of. I think when I saw the play the first time, he did come off the line, but the, the, ball was, the ball was already in motion. I'm watching it right now. The ball was already in motion, but because of, again, we talked about the, the, the adaptation to the rules. When it comes to a penalty kick, the, the kicker cannot stop his motion and then restart his motion. That is seen as a legal kick. And for the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper cannot come off the line, which is the line that is um, in front of, well, not in front, but the line that separates the field from within the goal. So he has to keep his, his feet on the line, which is, you know, it makes it a little bit harder for the goalkeeper, whatever the case might be. But once the ball is kicked, he can move forward off the line. He's, he's not bound to that line. And so we have Bruno Fernandez that adapted the rule and does a little hop step before he takes the kick. And it is not, it is not technically a, uh, an illegal kick because he's not stopping his motion. His movement forward is just slowed to a, to a point. So for those who, who have seen the stutter step before where a player will come up and they would take two steps on the ball, well, two steps off the ball and then take the shot, they, they have... They have come down on the rulings of that being a stop and start of motion. With Bruno Fernandez hop step, it throws a little uh, wrench in the system, similar to uh, James Harden's adapted uh, step back jumper in the NBA. Uh, there's a lot of, I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of debate coming off of this one, but if you watch the replay a few times over, you could see Bruno Fernandez probably in midair. But to me, it looks as though he hits the, it's probably micros of a second uh, just off the ball. I, I, I'll watch it again. Navas just moves his left foot forward, just, just off the line, just a bit right before the ball gets kicked. I, gotta, I have to agree with the ruling to, to play it back. Yeah, and it's, that changed the course of this game. Uh, that and you have probably one of the better defensive performances that I've seen against uh, Kylian Mbappe uh, with Aaron Wan-Bissaka just shutting him down. There are a couple mm-hmm. times where you know Mbappe was able to get a shot off, but most of the, the shots were done by uh, Di Maria and Neymar with Mbappe just given no room to really do what he does best. Great defense by Wan-Bissaka. Um, Honestly, an amazing goal from uh, and defensive breakdown uh, by Marcus Rashford on his goal, mm-hmm. which has put PSG in this early hole. Two couple, th- a couple other things that we want to talk about. Greg, I'm actually going to jump over to uh, your team, uh, Barcelona. Oh boy! Uh, if you would have told me between Barcelona and Real Madrid, who was going to have the worst tournament, I would have told you Barcelona, just given a lot of the turmoil that they have going on. Mm -hmm. Um, but they came out and they dominated this game. What I want to talk about is the red card against uh, PK, which came 70 minutes into the game. I do understand the idea behind the red card. Basically, uh, there was a breakaway, and PK was trying to keep up with his man. In my opinion, he didn't really put a lot. It was equal jostling for position. The offensive player fell down. Red card was given because uh, PK was the last player between the offensive player and the goalkeeper. Usually that 
results in a red card automatically. I don't agree with it. To me, when I, I think the red card was a little harsh, even though I understand the rule, Barcelona's lucky that the the game wasn't closer at this point because usually playing a man down in these type of tournaments hurts you. Um, but just I, I'm more wanted to bring it up because it's kind of like a blip because I think they were already up like three one or four one at this point. But just the overall officiating uh, discrepancy from game to game to game. I would even argue that the opening goal of this game, which was a messy penalty kick, was, was. nothing worse than what happened in other games that weren't called. Like mm-hmm. I, it, it kind of makes me uh, go back to that line of thinking of that they just like calling it against superstars. Right. Like well, if, if, I, you're a, if you're a superstar, you're going to get that call. Yeah. Well, when it, when it comes to, to the call against PK, like I, I've, I have been watching, I think the thing that done him in was the tugging of the jersey, which is a, which is a no-no in the sport of football. Um, and he, he, did it, he did it aggressively right at the end. Didn't bring – the player wasn't brought to the floor by that tug, but if he had just kept his, his weight on him, because if you watch the replay over and over again – PK has his weight on him the whole time. He doesn't quite, he doesn't quite lose him. Like the, the, the player doesn't quite get like PK doesn't get lost in the fray. If that makes sense. Um, he's doing a good job holding his own against the forward um, and not really against the attacker and not really losing out on, um, on his movement with the play. However, um, after reviewing it, he was good all the way up until he, he had his hand on the jersey, ripped it away. He had his left hand on the jersey and pulled him away. Now, PK is notoriously a slower defender. He usually takes a lot of, of his energy trying to hold off defenders. Not, not a good look here. We're going to miss him for the, for the second, for the next, for this week, this upcoming week. But um, I think the officials... The officials could have been on a good day. The officials would have given him a yellow card and, and pulled the penalty because they would have gotten the penalty in the first place. That was, that was clearly a, a foul in the box. But um, in terms of the call, some, some levels of leniency could have been there. Um, but I, from my perspective, I think where they got wrong with the red card wasn't the fact that, yes, he was the last line of defense between the goalkeeper and, um, and, and the striker putting a clean strike on goal. But honestly, if you look at it, uh, I, I've watched, I've probably watched it a hundred times. Um, PK and, and the attacker go at least 15 yards, you know, next to each other. PK gets lost in some of that play. PK has his weight on him the whole time, which is slowing him down um, inevitably. But P, just too many, too many tugs, too many pulls, brings him down in the box, give him the penalty. They they would have gotten the penalty anyway. The score wouldn't have changed. The score wouldn't have changed. Your your boys were lucky that it was not a closer game. If it was, it would have been it would have been an issue. But it was. I mean, I I don't I want to you know I, let me let me focus on on some of the things that I've seen from this uh, from this team. Ansu Fati is amazing. I love that kid. And Pedri came on uh, in the second half. And scored an amazing, like he, it was a, it was an amazing goal. I, I thought youth, Dembele's goal was 
was better. It, it was, it was, but Dembele <laughs> still got a lot to prove to me um, as a Barcelona fan. I also enjoyed um, seeing my boy, and I have not said, I've been saying this to a lot of my friends, but uh, seeing Messi without the beard again brings back some good old memories. Speaking of Messi, before, before we move on to our last topic and kind of look, look into the future, you can tell how much focus is on Messi because I think he assisted all the other goals that he didn't score. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he is such a draw to the defense. And, like, it's why he's one of the best players in the world because he realizes that and he'll just feed his teammates. He does need to score every goal, and at the same time, he doesn't. Correct. But that's, that's just what type that's of That's why he has is. so many ballons. Yeah, no, he's fantastic. Tom, before, before, you, before you get to this last topic, I think that this, this uh, needs to be noted. For, for people like me who are super excited to see the, the real Classico, which is Messi versus Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm disappointed that, that we're not going to see that as, as Cristiano Ronaldo has been diagnosed with COVID-19. Wish him all the best. Hope that he gets well soon. But this is a clash that even Messi himself has said that he has been looking forward to um, in, this, in this group stage. Tyler, what are your thoughts? What are, what are your thoughts on seeing two of the world's best back facing each other? I'm always excited because that's at the heart of it. That's when you also get to see why these guys are the best. For those of you that, that don't follow soccer, you, know, you, you just hear, I mean, I'm sure you know who Messi is. You know who Ronaldo is. But then when you get to see them play each other and bring that out in each other and bring out just the, the high level of play, that's when you really get to see like, oh, this is why people are talking about these guys. This is why these, these guys have been around for a long time. This is why at their age, they're still performing like they are because they are in a class of their own. Yeah, they're fantastic. Fantastic. So- Last, last point, and then we've got to get into what's coming up later next week, which will be day three and day four of the Champions League group stages. And Tyler and I are going to give our slight predictions on some of the top matches that we see coming up, some of the, the controversial matches coming up for next week in group in day three and day four. So last thing, um, shocking number of own goals in this round. I believe I counted five. Uh, one from uh, that we've already brought up that Greg with uh, Varane uh, had one. A couple other ones. Uh, Liverpool won against Ajax on an old goal. Uh, PSG technically hasn't scored any goals. That was also an own goal in their 2 1 defeat. So, like, that's got to be even more distressing for PSG. It's, I think it kind of speaks to, to the nature of where the sport is right now with with everyone rushing in a lot of games to make sure that they get their league plays outside of, you know, tournaments like this. I, I just think you're, I, I don't think these own goals are going to stop. No, no. I, I, and it's because of, there's a lot of, it seemed like this week there was a lot of desperation, but also these players have not had enough time to really prepare for this season and, and seasons gone by, but this is the thing. You could say that on one end, but then Champions League is only uh, a small portion of the football world in general. Um, Each one of these teams still has league games in which they need to play. After the Champions League games, uh, Tyler, I think, who was it you told me played a Bundesliga game right after 
their Champions League game on Thursday. They played today, correct? Um, it, it was a, a Liga game. Uh, a, a, it was, La Liga, I guess. It was a start of rain, and Dortmund has a game coming up. And, uh, right. The, the so, Clasico is this weekend between Real Madrid and Barcelona. Barcelona. Mm-hmm. So, so there's, there's, there's not much time for these, for these players to really recover um, through this time. And I think it's a little bit more challenging now because, and we're seeing it in a lot of, of sports, I, I, another thing that I wanted to bring up, but you see, like, we're just going to keep on going. Guys, I'm not going to go too much more <laughs> into this, but the, the landscape has changed. A lot of the things that we thought didn't matter are mattering in sports, which is us, the fans, um, and it's affecting the players. I think that a lot of the energy that we've, the lack of energy that we've seen on the field is because of either no simulated, no simulated fan noise, or, you know, I was watching the Real Madrid game and it looked like a pickup game. It looked like a high school game. Yeah, it looked like, it looked like a high school, looked like, it looked less than a, yeah, it looked like a high school game because it's, it's officiated, but it looked like a pickup game. That, that, you know, a couple of friends come over and you, you know, for, the, uh, for me, at least watching, like I could hear the players making the calls and communicating and that's great. But when you have the fans, you know, shouting, yelling, feeding you with that energy as, a, as an athlete, it gives you a different, it gives a different dynamic to the game. We saw some of this for those who follow other sports. We saw this uh, in the bubble for the NBA which is why they had to simulate and start to bring in some, uh, they had to bring in the screens and start to simulate some of the sound. That Real Madrid game was so quiet. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how, how, how you feel about that, but this, this is the new landscape in which we're in. And we're, we're going to see how they're going to adjust because this is, is going to be an adjustment every single game, every single day uh, for the rest of the year. And hopefully uh, the COVID cases come down so that things could normalize but tyler tyler this is what i want you to do give me your top two after you run the list give me your top two teams and your predictions for those teams day three day four let's go so day three we got locomotive moscow versus bayern bayern takes that easily i i I will say this next game piques my interest because it is shakhtar versus enter I want to see how Shakhtar plays after taking down Madrid because that'll tell you how the rest of their tournament's going to go. Atalanta versus Ajax. Atletico Madrid versus Salzburg. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Real Madrid. Porto versus Olympiacos. Liverpool versus Midtjylland. And Marseille versus Man City. I would say the other game that I'm actually interested in is Atletico Madrid versus Salzburg. Uh, Salzburg, Mm -hmm. uh, they did tie. Atletico Madrid got stomped. Uh, I think this is where Atletico Madrid needs to turn things around. And mm-hmm. this will also tell you how the rest of their tournament's going to go. And yeah. of course, uh, see how Real uh, bounces back versus Mönchengladbach. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's my, that's, those are my two games for the, for the week. Um, for the day, sorry, would be um, to see Atletico do something against Salzburg. I think that it'll be good for Suarez, who got transferred uh, this season um, to Atletico to kind of show um, what he can do. Um, they also have João Felix on, on that team, who is a superstar in my eyes. Um, very young player, but um, great winger. And then Real Madrid, to, uh, I want to see what Zizou's got in his bag of tricks. 
Um, also getting uh, some of his players back. We we um, will hopefully see Sergio Ramos on the field, um, as well as uh, Eden Hazard uh, come out and perform for him. Day four. A lot of big games. Uh, this one was a little hard for me to choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have uh, Istanbul, Bashakshir versus PSG, Krasnodar versus Chelsea, Dortmund versus Zenit, Club Brugge versus Lazio, Ferenc Veros versus uh, Dynamo Kiev, Juventus versus Barcelona, Man United versus Leipzig, and Sevilla versus Reims. Mm-hmm. For me, I actually am really excited about that Club Brugge Lazio game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Club Brugge looked a lot better than I thought that they were going to. Mm-hmm. And this is going to prove who they, what that squad actually has. And I'm actually going to skip past your team and go for Man United versus Leipzig. Mm-hmm. Leipzig was in the semifinals last year. So we know that they are more than capable. And uh, Man United, another reason why I was surprised that they beat PSG is because they are also having a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And they came out and they won a uh, – confidence building game that they can with the squad that they have compete at a high level which they hadn't been for a while Mm. i mean they're man united they're always going to compete at a a higher level but not at the level that those fans are used to so uh to see them come out against a semi-finalist from last year i think we'll see what that team is made of yeah I think that's that's the um, that's the game that I want to see as well. Seeing that you know in the right now in the Premier League they're they're fifteenth, <laughs> yeah they're they're fifteenth on the league table, but only playing four matches, so they're two and two um, in that situation. And and Ali's doing his best with with that team. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens with Manchester United. It's not to say that they don't have players. Martial is 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 a baller. You have uh, Marcus Rashford. Is is a baller Speed and, demon. and yes, in in te- they have they have a really good team. Um, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how they they play out. But and I'm De also De Gea is playing well. De Gea is playing well. Exactly, exactly. Um, we we just need to see what they do in the back. Um, that's where I'm more concerned with the defensive line. I want to see how how those players in the back are able to hold up the line. Are they going to play? a more for the attacking game against Leipzig. For me, that game is the game of the week, the game of the underdogs uh, going up against each other in this matchup. Um, Manchester United has a lot to prove. Leipzig, I think, will come away with this one um, just because they have a chip on their shoulder um, over last year. Uh, but it will, be, it will be interesting to see how they play out this game. My other game of the week will obviously be my boys in blue, Barcelona, head up against Juventus, even though it is not the game that I, that I was expecting, which would have been the real classical um, against two of the best players in the world, which is Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, Messi. But we will see a little preview of what game two when Barca is back in the Camp Nou to face off against Juventus in their second leg of this game. Tyler? This has been an amazing show. I didn't think that I could talk as much as I did um, <laughs> over these topics. Um, but we have a whole bunch of new games to go watch. We have a whole bunch of information to bring to you guys on a more regular basis. Last the thoughts, crazy, Tyler. The crazy thing is this could all change. Next week we could be singing a different tune about a lot of these teams. 
Completely. So let's, I mean, that's why they play the games. It's, there's a lot of games to be played. This tournament, I think I looked, won't be done until April of next year because the, after the group stage, there's a long layoff and then they come back. Well, that's, that's good. That's good for the sport and that's good for the competition. I won't get into that because then we'll talk for another 45 minutes as to why that's great. But guys, thanks for joining us on Stoppage Time, our first episode, episode number one on Stoppage Time. Have a great night, guys.